Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Perky Avos podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week, we're continuing with Perak Aleph, Mishnah Dalid, chapter one, Mishnah number four. Now, before we begin the Mishnah, I wanted to give a short introduction. In last week's Mishnah, we talked about Antonigos Ish Soho, that the Antonigos, the leader of Soho, and how he told us that we need to serve Hashem on a higher level, not just um, as a servant serves Hashem for reward, but on the level of serving Hashem, even for without a reward. And this week and the subsequent five Mishnahs that we're going to be learning in the coming weeks we're going to see that the Mishnah is not, be, is not going to be taught in the name of one person. Rather, it's going to be taught in pairs. So if we see the Mishnah, the Mishnah begins, Yosi ben Yoyezer ish tsereida, the Yosi ben Yochanan ish Yushalayan kiblu mehem. That Yosi ben Yoyezer, leader of Tsereida, and Yosi ben Yochanan, the leader of Jerusalem, received the tradition from them from Antonigos Isoho and from Shimon HaSadi. So now the Mishnah, this Mishnah in Dalid, we're going to learn out the teaching of Yosi Ben Yoyezer. And in Mishnah Hey, which is Mishnah, Mishnah 5, we're going to learn the teaching of Yosi Ben Yochanan. But the, the Mishnah at this point in time is going to be taught in twos, meaning the transmission from Sinai, from, from uh, Shimon HaSadi, from Moshe Rabbeinu, all the way down is going to be continued in sets of two. And it's actually interesting because the, the, the Gemara, the Talmud and Sota relates that when the, when you, when Yossi Ben Yezer and Yossi Ben Yochanan, these two great sages passed away, it says, Butlu that the clusters ceased. And actually the, the Gemara over there, the Talmud over there is very interesting The the different, um, things that stopped when certain people passed away. And it says that when these two Tanoim, when these two sages passed away, the Eshkoilois, which referred to, usually is referred to as clusters and clusters of grapes usually, but the clusters ceased. And Rashi comments, Rashi's the commentary on the Gemara and the Talmud, he explains that the, the word Eshkol, Eshkolos, was meant as a reference to righteous scholars. But it wasn't that they were just any righteous scholars. It means that until this point in time, there were no disputes as in, in the tradition from Moshe at Sinai, meaning the, the tradition was passed from one generation to the next complete. There were no machloksim. There were no disputes about what the halacha is. What, 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 did, what did the last generation do? It was only till the end of the life of Yoshi, Yoshi ben Yoezer and Yossi ben Yochanan, did machlokes come into the Jewish people? And everything until that point in time was as it had been from Moshe Rabbeinu. The commentaries bring down at, at, at the end of Yossi ben Yoezer's life, his memory weakened about what was done in the Beis Amigdash, what was done in the temple, as to whether or not a person does semicha, which is they, they would put their hands on the sacrifice's head at certain times, 
there was a question whether or not smicha was done on an animal on, on a holiday. This smicha process, which was a, what part of the processes of giving a sacrifice, whether you do it or not on, on a holiday, and, and that became unclear. And thus arose the first dispute in halacha between the different sages. Now, I wanted to, before we go further, I wanted just to explore one concept over here. So again, we, 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 we taught that this week we begin the sets of pairs. There's going to be five different mishnas with different sets of pairs. And Yossi ben Yoezer, we just learned the Gemara and Sota, and Yossi, Yossi ben Yochanan were the last sages to, to have the complete knowledge of the whole Torah intact just from the way, the same way that it was from Moshe Rabbeinu, that there, there was nothing unclear. That's what it means to say it was intact, that there was no unclarity. You know, we still have the Torah intact today. We just, there's disputes as what is the halacha, but they had it perfectly clear, no disputes. Now, the question is, is why did they start forgetting? What happened that people started forgetting, you know, specifically the first dispute that arose in, in, in the tradition was whether or not we do this process of semicha, which would entail the Kohen putting his hands on top of the animal and, and doing a confession, which was part of the process of giving a sacrifice. And the question was, is do we do this semicha process, putting your hands on the head of the animal on Yom Tov, which is on the holidays? And the question is, what is the connection? Why did it begin now? Why is that specifically the first area in halacha that became unclear. And, you know, this wasn't the first time that Jews had been exiled. The Jews, this Mishnah is taking place during the era of the Second Temple. And even during that time, there seemed to be some unclarity in different parts of halacha. But we know that the Jews were exiled after the destruction of the First Temple. So why now, what happened that caused there to be some forgetting that the whole nation, all the sages, all the Torah scholars forgot whether or not we do semicha, we do this putting our hands on the animal on Yontif or not, and became from that the first machlokis. What is it? Is there something we can learn from this? So as I mentioned before, this happened during the second temple. And during the second temple, the Greeks were oppressing the Jewish people tremendously. We know from the story of Hanukkah, right, that the Greeks came in and they let the temple stand. But what did they do? They would not allow the Jewish people to, to observe their religion in the proper way. They said you can't circumcise. They, can't, they said you can't keep Shabbos. They said you can't learn Torah, right? We know from the story of Hanukkah, we're very familiar with all the different things that the, Jew, that the Greeks tried to do to the Jews. And they had the heavy hand of oppression on top of the Jewish people. Now, the, the reason why the Jewish people forgot at this time was because even though they were being oppressed, they were still in the land of Israel. The temple still stood. Fine things were hard, but the temple was always there. So therefore, they, they didn't recognize and they didn't feel the, this, this pressing need to remember every aspect of the temple service. Even though things were disrupted, they still had the temple standing there. It didn't enter into their mind that one day they might be exiled, the temple might be destroyed, 
and they're going to have to remember and to preserve the tradition of what happens, to remember it perfectly. To contrast, when the Jewish people were exiled during the destruction of the first temple, they were sent out of the land of Israel and sent to Babylon. So therefore, since they were out of the land already, they recognized the importance that in order for the nation to exist, it became apparently clear to everybody overwhelmingly that they had to remember every single aspect of the tradition, to remember the whole oral law, everything about it. They didn't have a base amigdash. So in order to keep this idea alive, the fact that they're going to be have another base amigdash, it, it became extremely, it became incumbent upon the sages and the people of Israel to remember the total tradition. But over here, during the times of the Greeks, when they had the base amigdash, when they had the temple and it was standing, the people didn't feel that pressing need to remember everything. It wasn't as important to them. Not that it wasn't important, but they didn't feel the need to remember it. Now, what am I trying to bring out from this? What does it have to do with, with us, this lesson? And, and I think there's two points which I really wanted to bring out from this thought. Is that number one is, you know, not taking things for granted. You know, even the Jewish people, they had the temple and there was a certain sense of complacency that they would always have the temple. And therefore, when you do things all the time, we tend to just go on autopilot. We don't necessarily process everything. And maybe they, they, from the fact that the temple was still standing and they were still in the land of Israel, they didn't feel this pressure to, to preserve the tradition intact perfectly without any confusion as, as to what we do. Do we do this or to, to do that? And just a, a little bit idea for us that don't take things for granted. We got to appreciate everything we have and remember that everything's a gift from Hashem and don't take things for granted. But what, what I really wanted to bring out from this point, that was just a side idea. The main point which I wanted to bring out was the thought is that, you know, many times we, we say to ourselves that we can't remember things. And especially when it comes to learning, I, I myself, a lot of times think like, it's so hard to learn. I, 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 have, a, I have trouble remembering everything I study, you know, and, and it sort of gives us a feeling of like, we want to give up. So the first thing I want to say is that this is, is that number one is we always have to remember that when it comes to studying Torah, it's, it's the learning itself is already a success. It is already something that's going to get us connection to Hashem. It's already something that's making the world a better place. It's already something that's, that's making us a better Jew. It's already something that's giving us, uh, you know, making us better people. Just even if we don't remember anything. But secondly, what I want to bring out is that, and we see this, I think, from this idea in the Mishnah, is that when things are important to us, when we realize their importance, we remember them. Now, there was once a, a great Torah scholar. I don't remember who this story is told about. If anyone remembers, you can send me an email about who this great scholar was that this story happened to. But they asked him, you know, how is it possible that you can remember the whole Torah on, on, on a, uh, with a snap, within the snap of your fingers, everything? There are people out there 
that know the whole Torah, everything. You're talking about books and books and books and books and books. And they asked him, how is that possible? He said, you know what? I don't have a special memory. I don't have a photographic memory. That's not, that's not me. I actually actually have a hard time remembering things. I, I can't remember anything. It's just because the words of Torah are so important to me. I, I, how can I forget them? How could I forget what I'm about to, to, to learn? Because it's so important. You know, we don't forget our birthday. We don't forget our anniversary, or maybe we do for the guys. But my point is, is that we remember things that are important to us, things that have made an impact on our lives. I'm sure if I, if you think right now, who was your first grade teacher? You remember. What was your childhood address? You remember. What was the model of your first car? You remember. There are thousands and thousands of tidbits of information that every single one of us remember. And, you know, these things, obviously, maybe it's probably part of our lives, and that's why it's we remember it. But the point is, is that we all have the ability to remember. Even someone with a bad memory. It's just about focusing what's important to us and what's not important to us. Or not even not what's not important. It's just taking the important things and giving them an extra sense of, 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 of specialness, you know, making it important. And um, I think the lesson here is that when it comes to our studying Torah and to the things we do, obviously we should never feel like, you know, we're not accomplishing if we don't remember. That's not the point that we are accomplishing, even if we don't remember anything. But the point is, is if we realize and internalize what we're doing, so then I think it becomes easier for us to retain the information that we're processing, right? If someone said the world, if you don't remember this code, the, 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 the world depends on it. The world depends on this code right now for whatever reason, the code to the, to the nukes, we're giving it to you. You'll remember, it's important. So we should realize what we're doing is very important. When we study Torah, the ideas that we, that we learn, we try to apply to ourselves. It's very important. And God willing, if we have that in mind, we will remember it. Let's continue. So the Mishnah begins, Yossi ben Yoezer, East Sereda, Yossi ben Yochanan, East Yushalayim, Kiblu Mehem. Yossi ben Yoezer, leader of Sereda, and Yossi ben Yochanan, the leader of Jerusalem, received the tradition from them. Yossi ben Yoezer, East Tzreda Amar. He says, Yossi ben Yoezer, leader of Tzreda, says, Yehi veischa beizvad Let your house be a meeting place for Torah scholars. Vihavi misabeg ba'afaraglehem. And you shall become dusty in the dust of their feet. Vahavi shoise bitsama estivarehem. And you shall drink in their words thirstily. So in, on, on a simple reading of the Mishnah, we have a few ideas over here. So number one, we know from previous Mishnayos, Shimon Atzadik, what did Shimon the righteous tell us? He said the world was created for three things. Torah, to learn Torah, Avodah, to service of God, and Gemilas Chasadim. That's the three pillars of creation. 
Now, many times we might think to ourselves, when it comes to Torah, you're like, I can't study that much Torah. I could do a little bit. I could do a little bit, but I'm not becoming the next greatest rabbi. I could do what I could do, and that's it. So my first answer to that is, number one is, a person has to do what he can do every day. We have to try to make a set time for Torah study. And each person is different as to what that can be. For some people, it could be 10 hours a day. For some people, people, it's one hour a day. For some people, it's 10 minutes a day. But the point is that you have to have time set aside for Torah study. And, and And God willing, as we grow, that will grow as well. But many times people think is that, okay, if I can't, be the great rabbi, then I, I, there's, you know, I'm very limited in my ways how I could contribute to, to this pillar of creation, to the pillar of creation of Torah. So the Mishnah is giving us a, a, a very um, big insight into how we can support Torah, even if it doesn't necessarily come through us studying, right? So obviously the best thing to do if we want to be involved in one of the pillars of the world, of the pillar of Torah study, is to actually study Torah. But let's say we're limited. Let's say for whatever reason, you know, we don't, we have time, we have different reasons could limit us. So the Mishnah is giving us other ways for us to support the Torah and to be involved in this pillar of creation. And it's not just necessarily through studying that one can support Torah, but it could be through a person's possessions, a person's actions, and a person's attitude. And tonight, I wanted to go through each one of these three and explain how we can use other aspects of ourselves and how we can learn from others to to strengthen the Torah and to strengthen ourselves in observance of Torah and mitzvahs as, as well. So number one, through our possessions. And we know the Mishnah starts off, Yehi beischa beisvad lechachamim. Let your house be a meeting place for the sages. So just to give a little background about this Mishnah, is that Yossi ben Yoezer, he led the Jewish people in a time period, as I mentioned before, during the Greek occupation of the temple. Now, if you're the, during that time, the, one of the main things which the Greeks tried to do to the Jewish people is that they, had, they tried to Hellenize the Jews which meant is that they had modern culture and modern ideas, and they looked at the Torah and its philosophies as ancient, old-fashioned, outdated. And they would deride and, and, and mock those who study Torah, those who, who live their lives according to the Torah. And one of the first things, in order to strengthen the Torah, what Yossi ben Yoezer did is that he, he taught this Mishnah. He wanted it that the the rich people and the wealthy people of the Jewish people would host the Torah scholars. They would have them to come meet in their houses, in their palaces, so that the honor of the Torah would be raised. That when people would see the sages gathering in the homes of the the richest Jews and the most wealthy Jews and in their palaces and their mansions and their beautiful places, and how these, these, these wealthy individuals would honor the Torah scholars, it would counterbalance the or counteract the Hellenists, these assimilated Jews who would mock the Torah and to put it down, and it would bring up the honor of the Torah. So he tells us 
make your house a meeting place for the Torah scholars. So that number one is it can bring honor to the Torah. People will look at you. They will look at the, the scholars of the Torah, people who study Torah, and thus the Torah itself as something they can look up to. The What I wanted to bring out, the lesson for us, you know, let's just say is, I don't know if all of us are having rabbis come to our houses for meeting places. You know, we don't want anyone uh, thinking like we're, we're the... You know, the, the elders of the protocol, what's it called? The protocols, the elders of Zion over here, the people are having these secret meetings. But either way, the point is that what's the lesson for us here? So obviously the first thing is that when I say using our houses for good things, is that we, we have the ability, God has blessed us with a house, with possessions, with things that can help other people, things that can strengthen the Torah. So when we open our house um, for different you know, good causes, you know, could be a meeting place for the scholars, actually. Let's say to, to, to open our house to someone else, to do mitzvot in our house, to study Torah in our house, to use our possessions for good things. And each and every one of us can fill in the blank. We're, we're strengthening Torah and we're strengthening mitzvot as well. So that's one thought. Now, Rabbeinu Yonah is another commentator gives us another explanation to this part of the Mishnah as well. He says, you know, it's not so common that, that the scholars are going to meet in anybody's house. There's a certain level that has to be met. Obviously, you know, the, the, the scholars are not going to just go into anyone's house. So he says the Mishnah is teaching us an important lesson. You know, you know one of the, the ways you could really know somebody, and this is why we don't really know everybody, is that you know how he acts in his house. How does he treat his family? How does he conduct himself when no one else is around? So Rabbeinu Yonah teaches us something very important. So when the Mishnah tells us, when Yossi ben Yoezer tells us, that your house should be a meeting place for the sages, he's telling us that we should act as if the sages would want to be in our house. That's how we should conduct ourselves when we're in our house. Because if we act in that way, it's going to bring us up. It's going to make us closer to Hashem. It's going to give us a better connection. You know, you know there's an expression, fake it till you make it. Maybe sometimes we're not on a certain level that we want to be. But sometimes if you act on that level, it brings you to that point. It brings you up. It brings you to be a greater person. And Rabbeinu Yonah is teaching us that when it, the, the Mishnah is teaching us here, the Mishnah is teaching us here that when it comes to our, how we conduct ourselves in our homes, we need to act as if the sages would want to come to our house. Be on that higher level. Conduct yourself in the proper way. You know, study Torah in your home. Perform the mitzvahs in your home. Don't be one way outside of your house and another way inside of your house. Be the inside out, that the way you are on the inside in a good way, right? That if you're, if you, if you're a... The same way that you are on the outside is the way you are on the inside. If, they, if you're a good person, you do the Torah and mitzvahs on the outside, you, you try to, to do the right thing. And that's how you conduct yourself when no one else is around as well. And that's actually a, a very good barometer sometimes as to know where, uh, where we're holding you know, spiritually. If we see sometimes we act one way when we're around other people and we act another way when we're, we're, when we're not around more by ourselves, so obviously I'm not putting down the good deeds that we do. Every good deed, every mitzvah is worth something. But there's still something to, we need to work on ourselves a little more in that case. But if we see we act the same way when we're around people, 
hopefully when I say that it's in a good way, we act in a good way when we're around good people and we act also good and we, we, the same good traits we have and the same good attitude and the same um, outlook and the same desire to do mitzvahs when we're by ourselves, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So that's just one thought about this Mishnah. So let's continue. The second thought of the Mishnah was that when it comes to the Torah scholars, you should become dusty in the dust of their feet. Now, this, you know, as us, us Americans, this sound might sound a little interesting. We should become dusty from people's feet dust. Doesn't sound too enticing to me. I had to deal with my own, I'll deal with my own dirty feet, right? But what does it mean to be, you know, God forbid, I'm not putting down the Mishnah, I'm just making a joke here. But the, the what is the mission teaching us that we should become dusty in the dust of their feet? So the first thing to know is that during the times of the Mishnah, it was common that a student, when they would be studying from their teacher, they would sit on the floor, literally opposite the feet of their teachers. Everyone would be sitting on the floor. The, stu- the, the teacher would be facing one direction, facing them. And people, I assume they didn't have shoes exactly how we had today. And people, the students would be facing the teacher also on the floor. And the point is that the, you know, there's a little bit of a reference to that actualization and what, what this teacher students would do. But what is it, the Mishnah teaching us here? So the first thing it's teaching us is that a person should be in a close proximity of Torah scholars, to hang around them, to watch them. Because when we just from just from being next to someone who is a, a, a Torah scholar who studies the Torah, good people, that's going to have an effect on us. And the example that's given is from a, from a, a perfume store. If we go to a, a, a cologne store, a perfume perfume, a place where they sell perfume. We look around, we stay for a half hour, smell the different scents, but we don't buy anything. When we come out of that store, how do we smell? Do we smell better? Do we smell worse? Do we smell the same? So the answer to that is that when we come out of a perfume store, even if we didn't buy anything, nothing, just from hanging around in the store, we're going to be affected. We're going to smell good because of the surrounding, the environment that we're in. So, so too, when we hang around Torah scholars, when we are in the close proximity of good people, it's going to affect us. It's going to bring us up. You know, I've said this before, that human beings were like chameleons. One of the, I guess the moan, the most known aspect of a chameleon is that it blends in to the, to the uh, surroundings that it's in. So if it's in like a greenish area, it could turn green. If it's in a brownish area, it could turn brown. Wherever it's next to, that's what it turns into. We're similar to that. Obviously, we're not turning colors when we're into different environments, but we change on a personal level. Our personalities change. So when we're next to bad people, people that bring us down. They don't speak nicely. They don't do mitzvahs. We're in that environment. We're going to be pulled down. But if we're next to people that study Torah, that do mitzvahs, good people, people who are doing the right thing, it's going to bring us up naturally. You're going to be affected. You're going to, to, to be pulled up. You're going to gain. And I want to further this with another idea that the Gemara states, the Talmud states in Brachos, that, that, that 
when it comes to attending the needs of a Torah scholar is greater than studying Torah from that person. Think again. That attending the needs of a Torah scholar is even greater than studying that Torah from that scholar. It's amazing. So the, the Marsha, which is one of the commentaries on the Talmud, he explains that when a person hangs around somebody, the reason why this is so, that somebody who, who, who helps a Torah scholar, he hangs around him, he gets what he needs, he carries his bag, he watches him, whatever, you know, he tries to help him is even greater than if you learn from him because the whole point of the Torah, right, is that we learn. Why do we learn Torah? We learn in order to perform. And when a person is attending the needs of a, of a Torah scholar, someone who is a righteous person, they're actually seeing that person doing the things that we learn about. And that in itself is stronger than just learning. Obviously, we need to learn. Obviously, we need to study Torah. It's very important. But part of learning Torah is actually taking what we learn and putting it into action. And that's what a person is doing when they're attending the needs of a Torah scholar. And that's this idea in the Mishnah, that when we are next to a Torah scholar, we're in the environments of good people. You know, and I'm going to step this a little further. When we are in the environs of a synagogue, right? When we cross that threshold into a building, which, which is where the Shekhinah rests, where the divine presence rests, we're already, even if we don't learn a Jewish word, even if we don't pray anything, even if we don't give a donation, it doesn't mean anything. Just being in that building has an effect on us. The fact, the, the, the act of that we got up out of our comf comfortable chair in our comfortable house and we inconvenience ourselves to go to the synagogue and we, we, we do an action like that and just sit in there and turn around and go home, you accomplished, a person accomplished. Because they're actually doing, they're taking, taking what we learn and putting it into action. And that's what Judaism is all about. All about. It's, about it's, not just, it's about learning. It's important. And a person gets, one of the things we need to do is to study. But it's about taking what we learn and trying to put it into action. Finding ways within ourselves. And obviously, like I've said before, Rome was not built in a day. And we have to start small and to do small things. But it's important to keep that outlook. That if we have the opportunity to be around good people, we have the opportunity to be in a synagogue, we should take advantage of it. And even if it's a mundane thing to be in this in the shul, to be to be part, to go to a kiddush in a shul, it's worthwhile. It's beneficial for our Judaism. It's beneficial for our relationship with Hashem. And something we need to remember, and that's this idea of the Mishnah. Now the Mishnah finishes with a third thought. Is that we should we should drink in their words thirstily. Then when it comes to the sages, we shouldn't just listen to what they have to say. We should be genuinely interested. We should want to learn as if we're thirsty. When a person needs to drink something, there's a certain feeling. Obviously, I can't explain it. We all, each and every one of us know what I, know what, what, what I mean. There's a certain satiation when you drink after you're sweating and you drink a cold drink. You, you have a certain enjoyment, which... I don't know if it could be explained in, in words. So when, when it comes to words of Torah and what we gain from the sages and, and what they say to us, what they teach to us, our attitude, what's our attitude? So we discussed tonight how we can gain, right? Part of this mission is giving us guidance on how we can strengthen one of the pillars of, one of the pillars of creation, 
And it doesn't have to be through learning necessarily. Obviously, we need to learn, but that's not the only way to get to our end goal of, of strengthening the Torah and strengthening mitzvahs because we could do it through our actions, which as we said, is our possessions. We could do it through our, I'm sorry, we could do it through our possessions, which is through our, through our, that was the first thought of the mission. We could do it through our actions, which is helping the needs of the Torah scholars, staying, staying around good people, putting ourselves in a good environment, in a sit, right? In a shul, in a, in a synagogue, around good people. And thirdly, it was with our attitude. You know, a person, and that's this idea of the Mishnah, is that when it comes to us learning from others, we always have to want to learn. And it can't just be learning. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. that was a nice tidbit of information. It has to be that we or we or eagerly want to learn. We, we always want more and more and more. Just like that water, we want to have more water and drink it. And it's enjoyable. We have to have that good attitude when it comes to Torah study. And this is something which is very important because obviously aside from you know, having a certain sense of humbleness when it comes to our Torah teachers. Because if we fully want to, uh, you know, gain from those who teach us Torah, we have to recognize a certain level of, of we have to be machnia ourselves. That's the word in Hebrew, which is to like humble ourselves and, and to realize there's a little bit of a gap between us and our, and our teacher. That Therefore, when we have that outlook, it sort of helps us gain the most we can get. But at the same time, we have to, ourselves, we have to have this certain attitude that we have to thirstily drink in the words of Torah. And, and, and many times you see this with people that when it comes to their spiritual lives, they're happy. They feel like, you know, I'm good. I'll go to show once a year. I'll, I'll do whatever I do. Again, I'm not judging anybody. But my point is there's a certain attitude that unfortunately people have that when it comes to their Judaism, I'm fine as I am. And I've encountered this many times with interactions with different people I've met. And it's very unfortunate because, you know, if you would ask that same person about making money or saving money on something, right, they would grab the opportunity. There's never enough opportunities to save money, save $500 easily. Oh, sure. I'll take it. Right. To make money. Right. I'll, everyone jumps on the thing. If I have easy, if I easy way for you to make a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, we're all going to grab it. But when it comes to our, our, our spiritual lives, we're complacent. So the, the Mishnah is telling us an important idea that when it comes to our growth, our spiritual lives, we have to be thirsty all our life. We have to always want to learn. And that's one of our missions in life. And we can, you know, just like we need physical food to eat, we need our neshama, our soul needs soul food. And, you know, the reason why people feel complacent, there could be other reasons behind it. But deep down, every neshama, every Jew has this yearning to be close to Hashem, to learn, to study. And, and it's, it's our job to help everyone recognize that, to, to bring it out, that we should. And, and every person themselves, we have to recognize this thought that when it comes to our Yiddishkeit, our Judaism, our service of Hashem, our study, that we always have to want more. And there's this natural yearning. If the more we study, the more it comes out. Just like, you know, I saw one of the ways to explain this Mishnah is that the if a person drinks salt water, they're not going to quench the thirst. They're just going to become more thirsty. And I think that's the analogy a little bit to Torah. Obviously, it's not salt water. But the more a person drinks, the more a person takes in, the more they have the desire to learn, the more they feel closer to Hashem, the more they want to do even more. 
And, and this should be our attitude when it comes to uh, our, our service of Hashem, our, our spiritual lives, and, and everything we do. And it just when we take this attitude to, to have this certain you know, energy to always want to learn, it's going to help us, re, you know, taking us back to the first point that it, it's going to make us have that realization of how important it is. And it'll help us remember. And when we remember and we have some success, we're going to feel that we want to learn even more. So my point is, is it's a circle. You know, when we have the good attitude, we have this positive energy, it brings success and success breeds success. So God willing, we should take the ideals of this Mishnah. And it's just important to remember again that obviously number one is we all want to make time to study, but we shouldn't just think that it's all about learning to support Torah, to strengthen this pillar of creation, right? The world was created for this purpose. And it doesn't have to just be when we're studying. There's other ways that we can bring about honor to Hashem and honor to the Torah through our action, through our possessions, and through our attitude. So that's going to finish for today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi with a K at gmail.com. Until next week, we'll see you.